0: Anublokata Atmanu Watsuoka Meow Neuromarvies, this is Serena and wow we got past ten episodes really, really quickly before I even had a chance to build up an audience, but that's okay because that's why it's a podcast. It gets archived and you can refer back to it whenever you want. And if it never gets an audience, then it's a vlog. It's a way for me to get my thoughts out and I can refer back to my own thoughts in the year's time or whatever. What I wanted to talk about today is Asperger's aspian or Aspergian or Aspergian identity. Was it a good idea for it to have been removed from the DSM? What about people who like having their community and consider it consider Asperger's a part of who they are and, um, hey, there's, there are aspi online communities. Even the word Aspie, it's a part of how somebody identifies. And yes, it has been subsumed into the greater autism spectrum, but it still is perceived by a lot of people as its own entity. What I have heard recently was disturbing, though, It's not just that Asperger, the historical, the doctor, you know, the historical figure, Hans Asperger, lived in the shadow of Nazi Germany and presented his kids that he was, um, he had discovered these superhuman kids as such in an attempt to make sure the kids were safe but that he himself participated in eugenics and was himself a Nazi. Now, if this is the case, I think if this is unclear, but if it is or becomes a clear-cut case of, you know, this dude having been an outright Nazi, then nobody should have any feels about the name, I don't think. Um, About the community? Yes. About the identity? Sure. But about the dude's last name? um, Yeah, I'd have a problem with that. The thing is, I was not um, diagnosed and I was not a candidate for diagnosis when Asperger's was still in the... DSM. And I'll qualify that by saying, yes, I have always been a candidate for diagnosis, but women were not being thought of at that time when the DSM IV was in use before what 2013 as candidates for a diagnosis of autism or anything on the autism spectrum. Um, The autism spectrum was already a term that was in use by a lot of autism families, but and people with uh, autism, including people with Asperger's, but um, women were just not thought of as candidates. And I had a whole bunch of diagnoses, including ones that made me um, neurodivergent because as far from what I understand, and other different ways of thinking on this as well, neurodivergent can be either autistic or OCD or ADHD. And I know I have OCD and have for a really long time. Um, there may be one that I'm missing, but in any case, I Yeah, I I knew I had OCD before I had ever heard the term neurodiversity or neurodivergence. I think that only became known like in 1994. Uh, So by the time it got circulated as sort of a pop cultural term or a pop psychological term, it was already like around the turn of this millennium or something but um okay first of all the question that a lot of us have how do you pronounce asperger's i know that it's a hard g i know that that's how the name that's how the name itself is pronounced with a hard g however because of the asperger's jokes that have been going around since it came out as a diagnosis in the DSM, people have been trying to kind of find a way around the pronunciation. So some people will say Asperger's or Asperger's or Asperger's. Um, I have heard a lot of people who have accents that sound like they're in the UK say Asperger's. And it, to me it sounds fine, but I also hear them slipping right back into Asperger's because they themselves probably had to condition themselves to say it that way. And the word ass just means, I thought ass meaning butt was like a US thing. I didn't realize that they're saying it in the UK. I thought it was ass, A-R-S-E. But Uh, It seems that all, and I know the internet is like universal, so whatever. There are goths in Egypt now and have been for several, for 10 years, but for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to say Asperger's and anyway, it doesn't even technically exist outside of a cultural context. But if you think about it, isn't the cultural context really what's most important? Isn't the human, isn't the person, isn't the autistic person the most important? Isn't subjectivity the most important thing, you know, when it comes to a diagnosis? Even though, yes, a diagnosis is an insurance code or it's a way to group people into a category category for treatment yes that's what it's for but if you want to look at the identity part of that then it's the subjectivity and the person and the people who make that who make that community so Alan Dr. Alan Francis sort of got to a point where he was really integral in uh, working on the dsm-4 and on the dsm-5 but he got to a point where he thought all of this pathologizing of different conditions needed to stop and he needed to put a halt to it and wanted to do that and was attempting to do that, possibly succeeded in doing a little bit of it when he um, moved to the GSM-5. But I believe his book is called Saving Normal. And then there's another doctor who wrote a book called, I I don't know, um, to be honest, you're going to have to look it up yourselves, but it was a book about how... um, Doctors are going overboard, mis- or um, excuse me, over-diagnosing autism, ADHD, and bipolar disorder in kids. And so he came out with a book that was kind of like that too, like Saving Normal. Um, and I think that is interesting because anything that is over-diagnosed is going to hurt the people who are diagnosed with it. But on the other hand, to look at that aspect and to not look at the underdiagnosis in other populations is really irresponsible. And I'm not sure if you heard episode nine, but there's kind of a connotation too. And it had been found out that a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists who were diagnosing Asperger's back when that was still a possibility... We're doing so when it was a child, the child was a male, the child was white, and the child's parents were well educated and that's a fact that's- stati- a statistical fact. there are psychologists now who were on the work for they're they're in the working group for asperger's in um DSM four, one of them, Brenna Siegel, who, Brenna Finer Siegel, who actually got it, basically put in the DSM four. Who then, by the time DSM five came out, was like, oh, for every ten kids diagnosed with Asperger's who comes to me, I have to undiagnose nine of them. Then when it was pointed out to her that Asperger's came into the DSM because of her in the first place, her tune changed a little bit to every um, six kids with a diagnosis of Asperger's who comes to me is undiagnosed with it. Six out of ten. So who knows exactly what the truth is with that. I tried to look her up and see if she's doing anything in the world of autism, Now it seems that she is not. Uh, She seems to be focusing on other things and just kind of living her life with her dogs. And maybe she doesn't really want to deal with autism at this point in her journey as a psychologist or as a human being. But let me know what you think about Asperger's. Should it still be, is it sufficiently different? Temple Grandin says no, that it's not, that it's different from the rest of autism, it's that it's not as intense. So you still have the same criteria, you still have the same traits and symptoms in Asperger's that you do in more profound forms of autism, but you just have a touch of them, relatively speaking. So you can get a really high functioning, um, as far as like having a good job and a family and all that, you can have someone who functions really well in society because they just have a touch of these traits. And it's a continuum. And there are some people who even say every single person is on an autism spectrum going from having, you know, just a pinch of autistic traits where no one would ever notice it up to profound autism or autism requiring substantial support or level three. So... Let me know and meow